I'd like to call your attention now to our connection card that's inside your bulletin, brown and white uh, card. That's a way in which uh, you can connect with us. And, um, and if you like, we can connect with you. There are opportunities on our boxes on the back. You can check, and we'll respond to that. So uh, if you can fill this out to whatever degree you like, but especially for those of this is their first or second time, we'd appreciate it. And, but everyone else, too. And after you do, just leave it on your on your seat there. As you're doing that, I'll bring up a couple of things announcement-wise. Let's see, the first thing I want to bring up is we have our, um, let's see, Christmas shoe boxes. Okay, you just keep that in mind. This Saturday, November 5th at 9 a.m. Uh, in the social hall, join us this weekend to help stuff Operation Christmas child shoe boxes. You know, these are neat. These are these boxes that go all over the world. You know, it's really kind of amazing. And, uh, and uh, you know, you can be a part of that. You can be a part of that ministry. Uh, keep in mind, we have a food and fellowship today, harvester meeting today. Uh, that's at 1230 in, in room 10. And look at that. That's the second item on your today's events. And we have a choir practice today, and we have a gap dinner tonight, 5 p.m. So those are things to keep in mind. Um, and uh, coming up, there's a Women of Church Quiet Day. So, you know, you just read the back of your program there, and there's a lot of neat things that are going on. Any guys catch those games or, you know, this game just today? Any, anybody see the Clemson-Florida State game? What is wrong with you people? <laughs> you know, I didn't see it either. I just saw just bits and pieces of it. But uh, I don't know, if you're, if you're a college football fan, you have to start rooting for Washington. Yes, you do, Dee Dee. Okay. If you have your Bible, I invite you to open up to Ephesians chapter 1. We're going to continue in the book of Ephesians. I'm going to read this, uh, for these verses we're going to go over, then I'll pray and we'll get right into it. Ephesians chapter 1 verses 4 through 6, and you'll see it on the screen above me here. Paul's letter to the church in Ephesus. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us to be adopted as his sons through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will to the praise of his glorious grace which he has freely given us in the one he loves. Let's pray. Father, as we um, return to the book of Ephesus, which is that Paul's letter to those believers there, we pray, Lord, that you will speak to us and teach us according to the things that we need to learn today. We're each different. You know it. We're each your child. And so, Father, just speak to us according to what you know we need to hear and to embrace. So help us, Father, to just receive from you today. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, uh, I don't travel well. I, I just had to tell some people this this past Saturday. We were talking about traveling. I don't travel well. I hate packing. I, I, hate, I hate packing. I hate airports. I hate sitting in little chairs for a long time. So I, I don't travel well. Yet when I think of my life, I've had to travel to China three times. And each time I went to China, two times with my wife and one, by my, one time by myself, I brought back a baby. And... Um, 
You know what got me? I'll be honest. You know, you know, you, you know when you're a Christian, you're looking for little signs. Here we get this picture of of of, of Cameron, our oldest, uh, and and I say, oh wow! And you know the first thing I grab my eyes, uh, her her sweater are are my high school colors. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but before we got on the plane to pick her up. Uh, Amy and I received medical records, received photographs like this photograph here, and, um, and we were given 72 hours, basically three days, to notify the adoption agency and tell them, yes, we would accept this child, or no, we do not accept this child. Pretty unique, huh? Pretty interesting. It's, it's kind of a, I've never been put in a situation like that when we're dealing with a human life. But frankly, at that time, when, when we got that packet, it really didn't, it was very interesting, and it was exciting and stuff, but it really didn't matter much in our decision because Amy and I already had come to a decision before that packet came that we would accept any child that the Lord puts in front of us. So um, naturally, we, we, we notified them and accepted Cameron. Uh, today, we're going to return to the first chapter of Ephesians and talk about our adoption. We're going to talk about the adoption of a Christian into the family of God. And we're going to talk about some other special things that Paul brings to the, uh, the minds of the Ephesians here in this letter. So, before we get into actually the, 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 the letter, let me just share with you another little tidbit. As we go along in this book of Ephesians, I just want to sprinkle little bits of information uh, uh, in front of you. Uh, another thing to keep in mind as you read this book of Ephesians, this actual letter Paul wrote to the church in Ephesus, realize that even though Paul was the pastor there for over three years, that church was, was started, it was birthed by a couple, Priscilla and Aquila. And Priscilla, the wife, she was really the key person. She was a key person God used. Priscilla must have had a real grasp of spiritual things. And God really used Priscilla to really get this church going in, 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 in Ephesus. So, yay, ladies. Man, it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a neat thing and how God used this couple in, in the early church. Uh, and uh, I just wanted to share that with you as we go forward. So let's get into the Bible here in Ephesians chapter 1. And let's jump down to verse 4. And then let's look again at verse 4. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 4. And, you know, and because no one's complained so far, I'm going to continue using the style of teaching that's called a running commentary, where I'm taking a verse and I'm just kind of tearing it apart, and I'm not using actual bullet points of different subjects to hold on to. Okay? So Ephesians 1, verse 4, it says, For he chose us in him before the creation of the world, to be holy and blameless in his sight. Let me just stop right there. Let's look at some key words here. It starts off by saying he chose us. You know, that's really amazing when you think about it. This whole idea that the creator of the universe chose you. You know, when we think of choice, the freedom of choice, it is probably one of the greatest freedoms we have. When you lose your freedom of choice, you know you did. And it is a big part of quality of life. Adoption is a choice. You know, I love my family, but let's face it, I had fun when I didn't have kids. You know, there's some kids that are kind of thinking, oh, 
Dad, you didn't have a life before you had me. Hey, forget it, man. If you're a parent, you understand that. Sure you did. You had a great life. It was fun, you know? And there are times when you got all these kids around you and you're saying, gosh, that was a good life. <laughs> God let me go back to that. I got a friend who's single, okay? Guy never married. He's retired now. And he shares with me all his plans on what he's doing and stuff. And it's kind of exciting and fun. But like I said, I love my family, all right? I love my family. But, you know, when it comes to parents, there are moments that sometimes we say, yeah, that freedom of choice. Now, the thing that's special when we think about God choosing us is he chose us with our flaws and all. You know, when you have a little child, a newborn, you know, that, that child is just so precious. But think about us as when we are, we have shown our true colors. We have shown who we are. And God has chosen us in spite of our flaws. To me, that's amazing. But the question we always have to ask ourselves, well, why in the world did he do this? Well, look at the beginning of verse 4 and the, and the ending, uh, or let's say the end of verse 4 and the beginning of verse 5. It says, In love, in love he predestined us to be adopted as his sons through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will. Man, that's powerful. He predestined us he chose us and he predestined us for what? To have a relationship with him. He predestined us to be his children, which means a personal, intimate relationship with him. That's why you are chosen. You can think of a zillion other reasons why, but he wants that relationship with you. That's why we were chosen. One of the greatest mysteries in the Bible, the Bible tells us that we are in Christ, but also Christ is in us. And so because of that great oneness we have with Christ, we are his. It's so amazing when you think God doesn't, he didn't have to wait 72 hours. You know, they gave me 72 hours to, to say, yes, we want this child or not. In, in a fraction of a moment, when you believe, truly believe that Jesus Christ died for you on a cross, in that fraction of the moment, God gloriously shouted out, Yes, I want this person as my very own. That is you. When did this happen? Look what the text says. This is so mind-blowing. Paul's writing these incredibly deep, just beyond our comprehension things. He says, for he chose us in him before the creation of the world. Before the creation of the world, God said, I want you as my child. I'm going to send my son, Jesus, to die on a cross for you because I want you as my child. I mean, how, how much more does he have to do to tell you how special you are? When we think of this whole idea of being chosen before the creation of the world, it sounds pretty silly, huh, in some ways. It's pretty wild. You talk to people who aren't exposed to the Christian church, and they think, what in the world are you talking about? Well, we are talking about a very basic, fundamental doctrine of what they call the doctrine of divine election here. It refers to that we are 
chosen people. In some ways, when you think of the Jews, the Jews are chosen people. We are too. His church, we, we are chosen people. It, it, it refers to a lot of other verses. For example, 2 Thessalonians 2.13. It says, from the beginning, and this is also a letter Paul wrote to a church in Thessalonica, from the beginning, God chose you to be saved through the sanctifying work of the Spirit and through belief in the truth. Pick out some words. Sanctifying. That's, that means that God chose you and he just immediately separated you from the rest of the world. You're special, man. I'm gonna, you are mine. And I'm, gonna say, I'm separating you from the rest of the world. When I look at you, you are not part of the world. You belong to me. Then he says here, he, he chose us through the sanctifying work of who? The Spirit, the Holy Spirit. And that has a lot to do with how God is choosing you to be his, that he works in your heart because your heart naturally is just spiritually dull. Our hearts are just spiritually dull, and we are so distracted with the Cubs losing and the Lakers not knowing what's going to happen to them. And, oh, it's just frustrating, right? So our hearts are dull, we're distracted, and we need the Holy Spirit that's going to come in and say, Wake up! Understand these things. Jesus died for you. It isn't just a nice saying. Jesus died for you. So it's the work of the Holy Spirit, and it says also, and through belief in the truth. That's your responsibility. You're going to believe or not believe? You know how that is because you've got loved ones out there that they know what, the, what this is all about, and, and they've been, already been given that choice. You believe or not believe. So it's the work of the Holy Spirit in preparing your heart and that human responsibility in saying, yes, I believe. I believe. When you look at John, these are Jesus' words, John 3.37, all that the Father gives me will come to me. Okay, let's just stop right there. Jesus is saying, you know what? God, he... he he knows all things. There's nothing God can't do. And there's certain ones that God's saying, yes, they're going to be saved, predestined. They're going to be saved. He said, they're going to come to me. That's, a, that's just, we know that. You can't stop God if he wants to do something. But then it says, and whoever, that word is a very all-inclusive word, whoever comes to me, I will never drive away. Hmm, pretty interesting. You got those who, who God is, 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 is just going, yeah, they're going to be saved, and those who say, yes, I believe, and boy, they're all welcomed in. Do you understand it? I don't. But that's how the Bible presents it. In our little finite minds, you know, we go forward with this understanding that the Bible teaches us that, yes, God has predestined those to be saved. But also there's that human responsibility of, of, of believing. And I love that idea. And you know why? It's the whole idea of love. Think about, can someone force you to love Someone may force you to cook their meal. Someone may force you to go on a date with them. 
Someone may force you to, to, to do something you don't want, but no one can force you to love. And see, that is a choice. For we see God exercising his choice to, to, to choose us and select us for salvation. We exercise our choice to accept and love God. See, God wants our love. He, remember I told you it's a relationship. He wants that relationship with us, and he wants a loving relationship with us. And he knows he can't put a, a baseball bat to our head and say, love me or else. doesn't work. Love is a choice. And God wants us to love him. You know, it says in 1 Peter, his desire is that none should perish. Isn't that neat? See, that's one of the bottom lines. There's a lot of funny thoughts about who, what God says and all the, what the Bible says and all these things. But just understand this. When it comes to salvation, God's heart, his desire, his, his, his bottom line um, thought on salvation, he desires that none should perish. Jesus was born in Bethlehem for who? Not for the elect, not for the ones who are predetermined, but for the world. God so loved who? The elect? No, God so loved the world that he sent his, his son. You may be seeing, well, this Bible talks about being chosen before the beginning of the world. Am I that person? You are. Here you are. You know, you're here. You know, God's worked in your heart. You're here. Because, frankly, you couldn't come to God without him helping you. But you had to make that choice. Do I go forward and believe that this guy really died for me? Paul wrote in Romans 10, 14, and this is, part, this is where we take the next step, and it's part of the church, too. Next step. When we're on this topic of salvation, I always like to bring this up. Paul wrote to the church in Rome. He says, how then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one in whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can they preach unless they are sent? See, basically Paul is saying, hey, you Roman Christians, you know, you've got to realize this. You can't just be sitting in church and enjoying your fellowship one, together and, and just, just hanging out together, and that's okay. He's saying we have to get out. We have to be always, always seeking ways in which people can understand who Jesus is. Through my life, through the life of me bringing them to the church, however way it might be. See, every Christian has that marching order. To love your neighbor as yourself is to want for your neighbor, your family, your community, Jesus and everything he brings with him. That is really loving your neighbor as yourself, is you want your neighbor, your friend, your family, your co-worker, your, your, your classmate to have Jesus. That's loving your neighbor as yourself. For what purpose did God choose us for himself? Yeah, he chose us for this relationship. Let's go on. Let's get more specific on what it says. Look at verse 5. Let's go on in our text there. He predestined us to be adopted 
as his sons through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will. He predestined us to be adopted as his sons. You know, and again, we go back to this relationship. I can never overemphasize the importance of your personal relationship with God. To get past the whole idea of religion and get really into the whole relationship with God. God is a person. You may think of him as something vague and, and, and unseen out there. God, there's a personhood to God, and he wants that personal relationship with you. You know, I have the pleasure and the joy of, um, of having uh, four females in the house, and I'm the only male. And on their birthday, I take each one of them out for a meal. I, I tell them, it's your birthday. You get to choose where we go within a financially reasonable range. <laughs> and, uh, and I will take that individual out, be it my wife or one of my daughters, and we'll go out to dinner, and just, just the two of us. And so uh, we're sitting right across from each other at the table, and, and, and then I'm there to, uh, to kind of start that conversation. We talk about very specific things, or we talk about very general things. We talk about things that were really a bummer and a burden maybe this past year, and things that were really a blessing. And, and it's, it's a very good time. It's a special time. And I have the privilege of doing that four times a year. Now, I'm hoping that after we have that, that meal together, that we are just a little bit better connected. That we're just a little better connected. That our relationship has gone forward a little bit. Because it can always go forward. It's going forward just a little bit more. And see, when you think about that, what happens in my life with, with, with my family, that's what God wants with you. He always wants your relationship with him to go forward. He always wants your connection with him to be deeper and a better connection. And so he is always there. I, I remember the story. I remember this from years ago when I was early Christian. Picture this. There, there's an there's a, 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 a older retired couple in a car. They're driving down the street. And they stop at a light, and in front of them, there's, a, there's, a, there's another car. And it's, a, it's, a, it's a, 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 a young couple, really young couple. And the, the girl is sitting right next to the driver. They're just hip to hip, and he's driving, and she's sitting right there next to him. And so the wife in the back car, uh, and the older couple, the, uh, the wife turns to her husband who's driving and says, Hey, you know, how come we never sit like that anymore. And he didn't even look at her, and he just simply said, I didn't move. <laughs> now, when we think of our relationship with God, it's up to us to do the moving, right? We've got to move closer to him. We've got to see the importance of this, and we've got to take those baby steps if needed and, and strengthen that relationship, deepen that connection. We have to make that choice. And, and all the crazy distractions in this world, we have to see that as being important and, and, that's, and know that that's part of God's heart. 
as part of the reason why you were chosen before the beginning of time, as part of the reason why you are adopted into his family and he predestined you to be one of his children, is to have that connection with you. It says it's all according to what? His pleasure and his will. It says it then, pleasure and will. He didn't have to do it. It was all voluntary. It was all his choice. So how are we to respond? How are we supposed to respond to a God who has gone through all this wonderful detailed planning that has gone over the hundreds and whatever years we're talking about, and, and, and he's wooed us and he's won us to himself? How are we supposed to respond to him? Paul covers it right here in verse 6. He says, to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. You know, to praise the Lord. You know, don't downplay it. You know, when we talk about praising God, don't ever shortchange that. That is so important for your Christian life, for you to understand all that God is for you and what he's done for you. And he deserves our praise. And it says what? Praise for his glorious grace. And we know what grace is, right? Grace is that favor. It's that favor that God gives you and you don't deserve it. You don't deserve his favor. What in the world did you do? Matter of fact, you deserve, you don't, you deserve the punishment. Man, you are, you are a goofed up person, right? I know I am. The things I think and the things I say sometimes and the things that, 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 that are embarrassing to God, really. But he still loves me. And that is praiseworthy. So we are to praise him. Praise who? Praise the Father, but all but He says, praise the one. Isn't that neat? That is so cool when you think of freely given to us in the one he loves. So here's Paul saying, praise the Father. But you know where the, the, the spotlight's going? Boom. On the one he loves. Jesus. That's why we're called Christians, right? We're not called, you know, Bobbies or anything else. We're called the Christians out of Christ. We're, 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 we're followers of Christ because he is so wonderful. And God is pointing that out to us. Man, this is my son, you guys. Come on. You know, praise him. Obey him. Be like him. Yeah. See, we are to worship him with our words, worship him with our actions, use of our time and our gifts, who we are. Paul sums it up beautifully in, in Romans chapter 12, where he says he wrote these words to the believers in Rome. Paul wrote all these wonderful things and all these great things about the Lord. Then he says, therefore, so in other words, because of what God has done for us, because of who he is, therefore, I urge you, brothers, I can't force you. I can't force you to do it. He couldn't do it then, and I can't do it to you now. I can't force you to do this. But I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, in other words, his mercy, he's not giving you what you deserve. He's giving you what you don't deserve. In view of his mercy to offer your body, willingly to offer, to give your bodies. In other words, your life. Give your life, your time here on earth. Give your life as a living sacrifice. Holy and pleasing to God. Sounds pretty good. 
right? That's a life course. You may work at McDonald's. You may, you may have a zillion kids at home. But this is still part of your life course. To offer yourself as a living sacrifice to the Lord. Holy and pleasing to him. Amen? Yeah, let's pray. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you that uh, when we read these words from Paul, it, it speaks to us. Man, they're lofty words. They're really spiritually lofty words. They're really heavy spiritual teachings. But Lord, they say so much to us. And Father, I pray that we'll be able to embrace some of this truth that you've given us this morning and that it will build us up for us to be more usable in this world for your kingdom. So thank you, Lord. Thank you for all you do for us and all you have done and all who you are to us, Father. In Jesus' name, amen.